Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you by visiting our website at freedomlifeag.com. Welcome to Freedom. On September 12, 1962, President John F. Kennedy made a speech at Rice University that challenged the belief of even the wildest of dreamers at that time. Listen closely to this. He declared that he would put a man on the moon by the end of the decade. Watch this clip. The greater our knowledge increases, the greater our ignorance unfolds. Despite the striking fact that most of the scientists that the world has ever known are alive and working today, despite the fact that this nation's own scientific manpower is doubling every 12 years, despite that, the vast stretches of the unknown and the unanswered and the unfinished still far outstrip our collective comprehension. If this capsule history of our progress teaches us anything, it is that man in his quest for knowledge and progress is determined and cannot be deterred. The exploration of space will go ahead, whether we join in it or not. And it is one of the great adventures of all time. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why 35 years ago fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard, because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills, because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. What an inspirational moment in our history. I wanted you to see that because it's a reminder that when people think you're crazy, if you dare to dream, if you dare to believe and work a plan that seems unbelievable, unbelievable things can happen. I want you to know something. When he said we do things not because they're easy but because they are hard, that's exactly what we're talking about in this series, unbelievable. We, we launched this series last week in hopes that you would, uh, you would begin to birth, there would be something birthed within you that would say, you know, I know that sometimes things don't look a certain way, but today we can believe them. You are given permission to believe for the unbelievable. You are given permission to believe God for miracles. You're given permission to have faith in things that just don't seem logical. You're given permission. But 
today we wrestle like the father we spoke about last week. I believe, now help my unbelief, right? We've all felt like that. We've all felt like there's a part of me that believes, but I have a roommate inside of my heart that doesn't want to leave. He just doesn't believe. There's a part of me that, that doesn't seem to want to get it. The part of me that does and part of me that doesn't. This morning, I want to bring a message. Help me believe it will happen. Help me believe it will happen. See, when we say anything is possible, we don't say those things as our own. We say that because Jesus told him anything is possible for those that believe. These are not my words. These are the words of Christ. And last week we talked about how, uh, how God can help us believe we can change. Right? We looked at a man who accomplished a lot of things and, and he himself said, I don't know. This is not a good idea. Why do I have to go to that river? Why, do I, why did he have to send a messenger out? And, and all these different obstacles. And his friend said, listen, would you just do it? Would you just do it? And see what happens? You want a miracle, right? Just do it. I love what my kid said this week. Said something hilarious. I was driving him to school. He's, he kept asking me for something. And then he looks at me, he goes, Dad, I got, he goes, I got two words for you. Just do it. He literally said that to me. Dad, I got two words for you. Just do it. I said, son, okay, let's just move on. That's three words, but yeah, okay. I get it. It was hilarious. I said, that's just the status worthy. I got to post that on Facebook or something. That's just funny stuff. But I think I believe, but help my unbelief is very real. I think we've all been there, right? I believe, but there's a part of me that just doesn't believe. Today, I want to talk about help me believe it will happen. Help me believe it can happen. See, I got so much to say, I want to jump right into it. Second Kings chapter 6. Second Kings chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If you don't, you should bring it next time. We use it. We use it here at Freedom. Chapter 6, verse 25. Second Kings chapter 6. Something was taking place here, and let's read Sometime later, however, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. Everybody say famine. There was a famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of a dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. Let me stop for a moment. You did not come to church thinking you were going to hear this. What has happened in this place? That we're talking about a donkey's head and dove's dung. Here, here we're talking about all of a sudden that the, 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 the author's trying to paint the picture that all of a sudden Stuff that we consider gross is priceless or important. And so consider the picture painted, right? 
there are desperate situations. They were, there was a famine so much that they were willing to look at a donkey's head as an option. And so what happens in the next few moments is unbelievable. See, the author wants us to understand that things have gotten real bad, right? But here's what I love about God. He does the most miraculous works in the darkest and most desperate times. Here's what I learned about reading this passage. Are you with me? Here's what I learned about this passage. And you'll find that on the screen right here. Here's what what my thought is. Everybody wants to experience a miracle, but nobody wants to have to need one. Everybody wants a miracle, but nobody wants to have the need for one. Because most people, if I was to tell you, raise your hand if you would love a miracle in your life. Most of us would be like, me, right? Honestly, let me ask this question. How many of you would want a miracle in your life? You want a miracle in your life. Some of you came this morning asking God for a miracle, right? You came asking and believing God for something. Let me, let, let, me, let me get your attention for a moment. I need you to understand something. That in order to receive a miracle, you have to need a miracle. And in other words, no one wants to need one. We don't want to be in such a desperate moment that we need God and God alone. But we want a miracle, right? That's all of us. There's not a single person that wants a miracle and wants the struggle that leads to the miracle. We just want the miracle and not the struggle. We want to be able to genie in a bottle, God, take care of it, but we don't want the struggle, right? But sometimes God's best miracles are reserved for the most desperate situations. Okay, I thought I'd get more of an amen on that one. I'll preach harder, I promise. I'll preach harder. Second Kings tells us this. Because we often we want the miracle, but we don't want the process of the miracle. We don't want the process of one. And what I'm trying to say to you is that there's a miracle in the process that leads to the promise. The process, say this with me, the process is part of the promise. The process is part of the promise. What I'm saying to you this morning is so much bigger than what I think uh, is... is, is um, is portrayed here in just mere words on a screen. What I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes we blame God when everything goes wrong, but never give him credit when things go right. 2 Kings 6.33, for example. We look at this passage, and here's what happens. The king said, all this misery is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? The king was mad and blamed God. And all of us, at one time or another, have been there. We questioned, we wondered, where is God in all of this? We felt like this king has felt. There are seasons and trials in our life where we feel like, I just can't take it another minute longer. I I can't be in this marriage another second longer. I can't work this job another day. I can't fight this battle another moment. Why hasn't God done something about it yet? Can I get one amen? Been there. Been there. It's so tempting to try and manufacture your own miracle. You can't wait any more longer for Mr. Right, so you wait for Mr. Right now. You settle for Mr. Right now. 
I don't want to wait for Mr. Right. I just want Mr. Right now so I'm not alone. The process is part of the promise. You see, many times we step ahead of God, we go ahead of God, and we think for a moment that I'm just going to settle with this until God gives me his, his answer. And friends, you miss God's answer because you're outside of his will. This goes for relationships. This goes for job opportunities. And while it doesn't make sense sometimes, you say, why would I take a job that pays me less when I can take a job that pays me more? And sometimes God is like, it's not about the money. It's about the process. It's about the process. If you take that job that is bigger than your time frame, you won't have time for me and my promises won't be fulfilled in your life. You will cut me out of your life just for the bottom line. It doesn't make sense because see, heaven's, heaven's idea of, 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 of um, common sense is not common to man. See, you, you, you're not making financial progress as fast as you want, so you go to the blackjack tables thinking maybe this will solve my problems. But sometimes, and I would dare say even oftentimes, it creates more problems. I'm not going to touch what you do on your spare time. You let, I let God deal with that. I'm telling you that whatever it is that you've been waiting for, that four-letter word, wait, is an ugly one. Because I could tell my kids, wait, and you would have thought I punched them in the throat. They get so upset. What do you mean, wait? You would have thought I pulled the rug while they were standing there on one leg. They're just, what are you doing? I don't want to wait. And we laugh at that, right? But all of us adults throw temper tantrums too when God says wait. So don't look at them. Look at you. Look at us. We're the same way. We're just grown up kids. We have the same temper tantrums and God says wait. We're the same excuses. But I don't want to wait. But I don't want to do that. We're just a little less wine for some of us. I wait patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. Psalm 40 verse 1. Isaiah then echoed that idea that those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. How many like new strength? Right? Not old strength, but new strength that you never thought you had. Sometimes my faith and obedience is what starts the miracle. But when you feel yourself the urge to get in front of God, wait, just wait. Sometimes just doing nothing and waiting on God solves the problem. It solves the problem by itself. And you need not inject yourself. Sometimes just waiting on God, and I'm gonna show you what that means in light of scripture in just a moment. Are you ready? 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1 through 3. Elisha's involved in this uh, story here. And, and Elisha replied, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost one piece of silver. And 12 quarts of barley grain will cost one piece of silver. 
the officer assisting the king, said to the man of God, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. Hello? This is not I believe, I help my unbelief. This is I just plain don't believe. He says that couldn't happen. The messenger, right? Here's Elisha trying to prophesy something amazing, right? Here's Elisha trying to give the word of the Lord and the messenger's like, um, hey, real quick about that. Uh, that couldn't happen if even the Lord opened the heavens. But Elisha replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't, able to, you won't be able to eat any of it. Boom drops the hammer. He's saying, man, I got a word for you. I got a word for you. Here it is. Laid it out. And the guy's like, that's not going to happen. And he's like, it's going to happen. And you're going to see it, but you won't partake just because you spoke that. The power that is in the tongue is amazing. Everybody say unbelievable. 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 See, what happens here is unbelievable because Elijah, in, in, in essence, tells the messenger that he will no longer be able to see the miracle because he has spoken these things. I mean, when things are so bad that a donkey's head and dove's dung goes for like money, any sort of money, I mean, that's bad. That's seemingly unbelievable, seemingly impossible. The messenger says that could never happen. The Bible tells us you reap what you sow. This man just sowed unbelief. Do you know how many miracles Elisha did? Have you ever read the Old Testament and saw how many miracles Elisha did? Amazing miracles. Have you not read his uh, portfolio? Have you not read his resume, Mr. Messenger Boy? Have you not read that this is a man of God, that while we all struggle, and Elisha had his moments too, but when he spoke something that came from God, it was the real deal. And he says this, he went on to say, it's going to happen. And not only is it going to happen, you're not going to be able to get any of it. You see, there's another story in the scripture where 12 men went into, uh, to 12 spies went out, 10 came back and said, we can't do this. Two came back and said, yes, we can. God was not happy. He told Moses, now tell them this, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. So he told them what? Those that said we can't, you will never set foot in the promised land. Listen, friend, you reap what you sow. You know what that means? Start saying to yourself, I believe God can. I believe he will. I believe he will. Stop telling yourself things like it's never, I'm never going to be happy. I'm never going to have enough money. I'm never going to break this addiction. I'm never going to have friends. No one cares about me. Listen, that right there is self-fulfilling prophecy. You're telling yourself things that, listen, I'm not, I'm not one of these people that just like grab it, blab it, speak it, you know, and all these sort of things. But guess what? The moment you start saying these things, the moment you start speaking these things, you're telling yourself that you're not no longer going to accept anything else. And sooner or later, that very thing you spoke of is what's going to be your prophecy. 
But I believe that as people of God, we can speak things. And we can speak things that are not as though they were. I believe that as people of God, we can speak things and we can change. Look at me. Look at me. We can change our culture. We can change our environment. We can change what is around us because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What happens? When we start believing God for things that we had not seen with our eyes, we start to put faith in the unseen. And God says to you today, look at me. God says to you today, believe me for the unbelievable. Are you watching this? Believe me for the unbelievable. You see, what would happen if you woke up tomorrow morning and you said, I serve a big God. I'm loved by God. I am treasured by my king. And the God who created the universe is going to make use of me today. What if we got up with that mentality? What if we started speaking that every day of my life? Every day. God is big and he's big in me. God can and God will. What if we got up to I thought some people would believe this with me. Is there fire in this house right now? Because I believe it. There's something in my bones that's, that's causing me to ask you. Are you willing to believe for the unbelievable? Are you believing that it can happen? And some of you have seen so many things go wrong by believing that it's burned you. It's burned you, and in some way, you, can't, you don't want God to feel like, you know what, I don't want God to, uh, to take a hit, so I'm not going to believe him for something too big because I don't want him to like, look bad. Listen, we don't, God doesn't need a PR person. He doesn't need human relations department. Right? He doesn't, need, he doesn't need anybody to take care or guard his reputation. You just believe him for the things that you know God, can, God has put in your heart. You see, words have power to help, to, to heal, to hinder, to hurt, to harm, to humiliate, and to humble. Choose them wisely. Words are free. It's how you use them that may cost you. Words are free. It's how you use them that will cost you. There's another conversation that's pretty unbelievable that God had with Moses. And this is the one I really want to talk about for a few moments today. Can we talk about it? Good, because I'm going to. There's another conversation where after being out months in the desert, the people of Israel start complaining. They wanted some meat. And who can blame them, right? I like meat. I'm a carnivore. So they're complaining. They're complaining. They're complaining. And Moses finally goes to God and asks him to do something about it. And God tells Moses he's going to send quail for people to eat in the middle of the desert. Newsflash, quail are not in the middle of the desert. They're not. In fact, Moses responded like this. Numbers chapter 11, Moses responded to the Lord. There are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me. And yet you say to me, I will give them meat for a whole month. Even if we butchered all of our flocks and herds, would that even satisfy? Would that even touch them? 
even if we put you everything we have, is that going to even do a dent? Is that going to even make a dent? Ever had that moment? You ever had that moment where God says, and you're like, ah, but I did all the math, God. Your math is off a little bit. There's no way I can give God this offering and pay my bills. I did the math. Oh, you didn't do the math right. You didn't do it right. Because you forgot that heaven has a different code of logic and a different way of finances, a different way of working things out. And the promise doesn't make sense to man. And right here, right here, even if we butchered everything, God, I'm telling you, ah, even if we did everything, we took care of all, is it really going to do something? And Moses just plain simply said, God, that's unbelievable. I mean, we could feed them for a day. I got you on that, God. We could do a day. A month? That's a stretch. But let's look at verse 31 and 32 for a moment. Now the Lord sent the wind. And that brought quail from the sea and let them fall all over around the camp. For miles in every direction, there were quail flying about three feet above the ground. So the people went out and caught quail all that day and throughout the land and night into the next day too. No one gathered less than 50 bushels. They spread quail across, the, across uh, excuse me, all around the camp to dry. Talk about unbelievable. Can I, give you, can I just give you a little bit of an insight on this? Israel, the Israelites were in the desert of Param, which is about 50 miles from the Mediterranean Sea and the Dead Sea. And since quail tend to live by water, they don't fly long distances. So the closest place to find quail is 50 miles away. 50 miles. Okay. Gather that for a moment and gather the idea that we're talking about a lot of quail on top of that. Even if they were flying around, we're talking about a lot of quail, right? So God provided a supernatural wind that gave the quail enough tailwind to fly 50 miles off course to a dry and desert land where there is no water for over half a million foot soldiers now, that's just foot soldiers. What about the others that are not soldiers? Historically, it's believed that, it, that this took place about 700 miles. Seven, you do the math. God sent a supernatural wind to blow quail 50 miles west to cover 700 square miles of an Israelite camp, cover 50 bushels, which equates to about 200 liters, which works out to be, watch this, 105 million quail that night. Yep, 105 million quail fell from the sky that day. God sent quail NATO. Quail NATO happened. Quail NATO. That's what happened. Quail came from the sky, landed all over the place. <laughs> I had so much fun putting that graphic together. You have no idea. Quail NATO. It looked like that. I think it's worth repeating for a moment. 
that God said to Moses, has my arm lost its power? Has my arm lost its power? God is saying, I told you that I am more powerful than your faith is sometimes. Today, all I'm asking of you is to take the faith you do have and put it at his feet. Because even a little bit of faith is better than no faith. God could work with a little bit of faith. If he said, I can work with a, a seed, a, a, a faith as a grain of mustard seed, he could work with what you got. But we put this negative thing in our mind, we dump it into our spirit where we start to not believe God for anything. Quail NATO will never happen if you yourself don't believe. Quail NATO will never happen if you yourself keep telling myself, there's no way that this is going to happen. There's no way that I'm going to be happy again. No, look at me. No one's going to like me. Look at me. No one's going to be this. And no one's going to be that. And this is not going to happen. This, Stop. 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 How about you just for a moment believe him? Whatever's in your spirit, just believe him. See, I believe that there's faith in you that God wants to move. You know, that job that pays less, that trip that you want to take, you want to go back to school, you want to, you want to adopt, you want to do something that just doesn't seem to make any sense. Too often we let how get in the way of the what when God has a promise for us. Did you hear that? We often, too much, often too many times, we let the how get in the way of the what and the promises never happen. We never see the promise. There's nothing God can't do. So let me ask you this question. So when you think about how big God is, right? You think about how big God is. Is he big enough to rain 105 million quail from the sky? Is that the, is that the God you pray to? Because if it's not, then you're not praying, to the, you're not praying with, the, with the knowledge and understanding of who you're really praying to. See, the God that I pray to, friends, is the God of the Bible. And the God of the Bible sent 105 million quail in the middle of the desert, 50 miles west, covering 700 square miles of village and homes and just straight up poured quail on people because they needed meat. Over and over again, God has shown himself faithful. Over and over, God has made it true. Is he big enough to make a closed womb open so that baby would come out, so that baby would happen? Is he big enough to provide money where that doesn't seem to be possible? Is he big enough to bring that son or daughter back home that maybe, man, there's no way that person's coming back home. They've kind of gone their own way. He is, he is, and he's all that. And guess what? He's big enough to fix the broken marriage too. He's big enough to fix the darkest of situations in your life. Friends, look at me. I need you to get this. My goodness, if you get this, help me believe it could happen. Help me believe. There's a part of you that wants to believe it. I'm just giving you the ability to access that today. I'm just giving you permission to believe him for miracles. So there's nothing God can do. So let's pick up back with Elisha for a moment. Elisha has now broadcasted that God is going to do something unbelievable in the next 24 hours. There were four men 
with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Remember the famine we were talking about? Remember famine? Back to the famine. Here we go. So we're talking about this sort of situation and, and uh, people are hungry. People need a miracle. People, whatever's going on in 2 Kings. We read here in chapter 7, verse 3 and 4, that there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die? They ask each other. We will starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back, if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. And if they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would die anyway. So God took these four lepers and they decided to go outside of the town and do this miracle. And, and God decided to go outside of the norm. Because we think to ourselves, only, God only uses special people for miracles. Right? We kind of had this idea that God uses special people only. How many ever believe that? Even if it's not something you believe now, you believe at one point in your life, God uses special people. I believe that. When I was a kid, I believed that. But now, the more and more I learn about God, the more and more I realize he uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And that's how he showcases his ability, right? And so, they go out. They say, well, either we take the risk or we die here. Well, let's take the risk. So they go out. And let's keep reading for a moment. So at twilight, they set out for the camp. And when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. So they're going to surrender themselves and say, you know what? At least, you know, if they kill us, at least we die because we're going to die anyway. And if they don't kill us, they'll give us some food. At least we'll get some food, right? So what happens? They show up to the camp and God provided something that they didn't see, foresee happening. The unbelievable took place. Here's what it describes. The king of Israel hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us. This is what they were screaming. This is what the people started screaming. They cried to one another this, and they panicked, and they ran out into the night, abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and everything else, and they fled for their lives. Listen, the enemy thought something was happening. They heard chariots. They heard horses. God caused this to happen. They left everything they own, everything they have, their food, their possessions, everything. They left it. And here are the lepers coming into town, about to surrender, hoping to get some food, and they have the entire area, everything that, they, that these guys own to themselves. And you know what's amazing? If you read the scripture later, you see more. And just for the sake of time, I'm going to tell you this. They, read, they, they, they were enjoying it. And then you know what they said? We have to go back to the town and tell people. We have to go back and tell people there's food here. There's supplies here. There's things here. And they went back and they told the people. And guess what? The needs were met. Why? Because oftentimes, God will, God will take miracles from, from those who, who, who choose to turn their back on him and he'll use that for the just. I don't explain it. I don't even try to understand it. But God will use the wealth of the wicked and lay it up for the just. Are you getting this? Let it, let it sink in. Let it marinate. Come on, somebody. How many know that everything tastes better when you marinate it? Let it marinate just for a moment. Your unbelievable moment, your need of a miracle, let this marinate for a moment. That you need 
a need for the miracle to happen. You need a need for the miracle to happen. Don't, don't cast off the need because the process is part of the promise. Oh my goodness. And, 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 and let, me, let me tell you this. Let me just bring this all to, to, to a capsule. Are you ready? Remember in the beginning when the, pro, the prophetic word came forward and it said this, it said what things will cost and what things will be? Watch this. Then the people, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 16. I think we have it up on the screen. 2 Kings 7, 16. Then the people of Samaria rushed out and plundered the Aramean camp. So it was true that six quarts of choice flour were sold that day for one piece of silver and 12 quarts of barley grain were sold for one piece of silver just as the Lord had promised. Why? Because God prophetically spoke it through the man of God and the people waited and they waited and they saw it actually took place. What God has spoken over your life at one point or another, if you trust him and you wait on him, he will see to fruition. The unbelievable can be possible today for you. I don't know what your need is or what your circumstance is, but I'm here to tell you that no matter what it is, God has has put a promise in you and some of you need to act on it. So here's my big question. Are you ready? What dream have you placed on the shelf because you thought there was no way it could happen? What dream have you thought to yourself This doesn't make any sense. But because God put it there, quail is coming. Why? Because we that stand on the word of God will will never be put to shame. Can I have you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, thank you that, Lord, you have come through for us over and over and over again. And today, we trust you. Today, We believe you. Today, we know that you are who you said you are and you will do what you said you will do. I ask you in the the name of Jesus that you would allow us to believe that not only can I change, but I can believe that it could happen. Lord, I ask you today, let your presence be known in this place as the God who provides all your promises right in the perfect time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.